0: Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval, another dimension. So light for your approval, another dimension. So light for your shadow another dimension. So light for your shadow another dance self. So light for your shadow another twilight zone. Submitted for your approval, the twilight zone. Submitted for your approval, the twilight zone. Hello,
1: hello, hello. You're listening to a podcast not only of sound but also of mind. It's Time to Rewind is a podcast that takes a journey into a wondrous land of time loops whose boundaries are that of imagination. Each episode, my guest and I explore these time loops one loop at a time. This stop is Trapped in the Twilight Zone, and this is the third stop at 1985's Season 1, Episode 23's first segment, Shadow Play. Here with me once again is my guest Austin Pryor from Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute. How are you doing today?
0: Hey, Bubba Wheat. How's it going?
1: <laughs> it's going pretty good. It's uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about this uh, 1985 version of Shadow Play. I, I noticed a lot yeah, more times but- this time. Or a lot more of, i noticed a lot more stuff watching it again this time
0: oh great yeah yeah there's a lot there's a lot to this one and i nearly i nearly dismissed it when first viewing it
1: you know th- this is the 1985 version which at times is like almost identical word for word from the the 60 version but at at other times it wildly diverges from it mm And and I think that that's that's interesting, and especially like, the beginning here is, you know, very similar. Like I I think one of the biggest differences, and I I actually love this difference that, you know, you see him like pinching his hand at at the beginning while he's waiting for the sentencing.
0: Yeah, he's pinching himself. Uh, this version also makes it clearer that he's lip syncing along with the other characters, which he does do in the original. But it makes it a bit clearer here. But I just think like the reason I, I alluded to earlier that, that that I was kind of I was ready to dismiss the 80s version because I was just like, as soon as it comes on, I've just seen the 60s one. And then the same scene is played out in like much more conventional Cheap TV kind of an approach. They don't do the thing with the, the with the, the the lights coming up. They don't do any effect of you know they 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 put the camera on him first and then pull out. Mm-hmm. So you do get the effect of it focusing very much on him, but you don't get the effect that the world is popping into existence, which is exactly what you need. And that and that's an you know wh- when I saw the effect in the sixty one version of the um, the lights coming up so that you can now see you're in a courtroom set because you were just in a black void with one spotlight on the on the one table before that that's that effect was so cool and I just thought it was a cool effect a great way to start a story but then you realize that it's it's talking it it's using language of dreams and showing that your world kind of starts with yourself and expands out as you come into your dream and and of course it's the the answer to that is at the end of the or towards the end of the episode, when the lamp disappears and the people disappear and whatever, uh, or the people fade out. And um, well, the, so the people,
1: the people pop yeah. out of the existence in a very, you know, I, I thought that that effect felt very 70s. They they did also do it in the 60s version. None of yeah. the people popped out of existence, just the yeah. two pieces of furniture did
0: like the clock and one other piece yeah and when i watched it first i missed the clock and then alice missed something else and and when she was talking about it and i I just found it really interesting when i doubled back i was like how did i miss the clock it's because i was watching something else and and alice noticed that the people kind of glitched because they were standing still and then (laughs) a piece of set was removed and then they start recording again and they've moved ever so slightly and so yeah so like i i thought that effect was not not that well realized in the '60s uh, version, but it gave the the conceptual ideas there that he's dying and the world that he's dreaming just kind of pops out of existence. So um, so then in this version they make that change straight out of the gate. They're less like we're not doing any of that fancy production stuff. We're <laughs> just going to use the camera, and then. Um, and then straight away, the next thing is that he um, he starts ranting and raving and is much, much clearer and and about this. Don't you understand? You're in a dream that I'm having. So if I die, you'll die. And it's like it, the, the premise is just all explained up front. Without the kind of sense of mystery, and I thought like this, I was just like, lad's you know take a <laughs> hike, um this is not working for me, you know and then, as the episode wore on, there were more and more little changes all along, and they started to build to something and i really I really was brought around from a writing perspective. I was brought around on the eighties one from the kind of production and acting and the look of it and stuff i just you know i I couldn't get on board with with it when you've got something as as kind of classic and timeless as the 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 look and feel of the 61 um version but uh, i
1: think what they do a lot better in this one is the the all the side characters uh discuss their own existence a lot more
0: yeah and there's more examples of how, you know, they don't use, they don't reuse the example of the glass on the watch that is, but they kind of, the 80s writers took that and ran with it and said, like, you know, when were you married? And and she can't remember. And um, they, there's all these gaps in their memories. And, um, but of course, you know, if they were real life characters, if you, if if I told you right now, that you don't exist. I'm just dreaming this podcast. You know, you would not entertain that notion in any serious way. You might entertain it for the sake of the podcast and <laughs> explore the kind of the philosophy of it, and it would just, you know, it would be a, a, a diversion. But it would not. You would not doubt your existence at all. But of course, these characters are basically they they question their existence because. Um, because the dreamer is deciding that they question their existence. So it's easy for him to kind of say these kind of people also realize that they're that they're not they, they have the potential to realize they're not real. And that's because that's the dream he's having. He's having a dream where people in the dream start to realize that they're in a dream. So, so let, me the you, realize,
1: let me ask you, let me ask you, since you um, since we're discussing this, do you yeah. think that? Within this this world of the twilight zone, do you think that these people were created by the dream and they have, like, they have their own existence and they exist as separate entities within the dream, or do you think that they're still just basically aspects of Adam Grant's personality while he's having a dream?
0: Uh, yeah, I very much think the latter. I, it's it's fun to think of the 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 former that that he's like if 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 Adam if Adam Grant was some kind of god brain who could you know create these things and they would kind of uh, the, the only thing i'll say to support that theory is that there is sometimes when you have when you have a dream that uh it seems to take on a mind of its own it seems to have a momentum of its own even if you're aware of it like i have had experiences of um like self hypnosis and and under hypnosis just um uh, just, just because a, a friend of mine studied hypnosis, so I was, I was just kind of uh, doing it as an interesting exercise, you know. And it is amazing when you get into that trance state, which is just—it's not a supernatural thing. And I know there's this whole thing about hypnosis where people want to debunk it, and it's like, well are you are you debunking being calm and relaxed because that's all it is you know <laughs> so you yeah, like it depends on what you're debunking about it like obviously wild claims are made about uh, hypnosis but um but there's nothing to debunk if you're not making any wild claims it's just it, when you're when you're under you're you're quite aware And you don't feel anything kind of crazy. You're not on a different plane of reality or anything like that. But I have experienced that when I come up out of it, I'm amazed at how, uh, how down I was, how, how deep uh, under the influence I was. I'm like, oh, wow, the world does feel different when you, when you um, wake back up out of it. Anyway, I recommend it just as an experience to anyone, if you're able to do it, because it's just really interesting. But what, what, Quite effortlessly, even if you're aware of the dream, the part of you that's aware is is doing the, the the all the boring awareness kind of, you know, calm, rational thought stuff. And then the other part of you, the irrational part, is just like producing these images for you. And it's very uh, and it's it's happening effortlessly and it's happening without without your conscious control. These These dream characters have a bit of momentum behind them and they have a certain amount of agency just derived from the fact that your brain will just will just kind of quite effortlessly produce more stuff. But then I do think fundamentally what's happening is that this is all this is all in his imagination. It's in his mind. And these characters are. Yeah, every one of them is inevitably some aspect of of Adam Grant or are, are some observations he's made about other people. But even when we have a mental model of other people, it's still us. You know, you can still never truly escape your own perception and your own mind. And, um,
1: yeah, and, so, and I yeah. do think that uh, that this the 85 version does a better job at connecting these characters back around to uh, the, the waking version of Adam Grant. Um, even though there really is just like the, the two very specific examples where he talks about, uh, Mrs. Ritchie, the,
0: um, attorney's wife. Yes. Yeah. That
1: that she is his sister and that's the one role that never changes. It's Mm -hmm. always, it's always the, the DA's wife, even though the DA changes sometimes but yeah. that character is always his sister and it's always because uh she hates him and then the the father in this uh the priest is his actual father and and I like that change I I did notice especially that I I think it's really interesting that looking at it from an outside perspective and and deep diving into it I almost feel like These these connections are part of the explanation why he keeps having this recurring dream and why he can't escape from it, because he is projecting his problems onto these other these other people. It's like his sister is always there because she hates him. His father is there. He's haunting him. Like, why is my father keep haunting him? And um, I I did want to, I did do just like a little bit of research in, you know, my five minutes of Google, as I like to call it, the uh, into the analysis and interpretation of dreams. And Mm -hmm. for uh, dreams of death, that is like one of the top 10 most common dreams is dreaming that, that you're dying in some way. And I think mean yeah. that you're being executed definitely is included in that, and it it represents the need to make a significant change in your life. Mm. And I think that that yeah, like... and 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 him projecting this dream onto other people, I think that if you buy into dream analysis, that shows that he's not Which really I willing. Don't. <laughs> that he's not really willing to make a change in his own life. He thinks that it's this, these outside forces that are doing this to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, I I don't, I don't, I wouldn't entirely dismiss the practice of dream analysis and stuff, but these things, this thing of like dream dictionaries where, you know, Oh, I saw, I saw a red balloon. Well, I'll look it up and see what that symbolizes. (laughs) Like, come off it like it you know interrogate your own mind ask what it means to you um i guess that's very jungian you know jung talks about the collective uh, unconscious and like there are i guess there is a certain amount of validity to that we have a shared culture uh, to one degree or another and so there are kind of images and 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 things that would have some sort of shared meaning but it's got to be so individual it's so personal um that i just think the idea of kind of just being told a dream and 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 being able to interpret that without knowing the person and without you know i just think it's nonsense but uh but then you know you'll have a dream sometimes where you know it's like wow that was pretty on the nose i can tell what that means you know <laughs> and then other times you're like well that was just garbled nonsense you know most of the time and um yeah. In this particular case, in this particular story, uh, Adam Grant is um, he, he's, he says that, you know, he must be guilty about something, but he's not sure what. And I think that's a really good addition in the 85 version, because uh, he says it kind of almost offhandedly. And like, of course. Knowing what you feel guilty about. Oh no, he, started, he says kind of offhandedly first, and then later he says, "I've been racking my brain trying to think about it." So he does, in fairness, he does kind of deal with the importance of that. But it goes like that's got to be the key from certainly from a narrative point of view. That's got to be the key of him escaping this this loop, um, which he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Which I guess it would not be very Twilight Zone if he did. Um, but he so, so unraveling what happened in that family. That means he fears his dad like this and sees him as a judge. And there's some unfinished business there and why his sister hates him. And, um, I think, yeah, I think that stuff is really good that they, that they added that for this, um, for this remake. But, uh, but again, it kind of, it doesn't, I don't mean in a, in a critical way, but it doesn't go anywhere. You know, it's, Mm These are left as hanging threads, and I think that's that is, you know, as part of the Twilight Zone formula, is that you don't want to wrap everything, you know, up too neatly. And um, but yeah, it, it does kind of make me wonder if there's more more to be dug into there.
1: Yeah, and and I'm pretty sure I've I've I have i have not done uh, too much research into it, be just because you know I, I think uh like we like we said earlier like the the 85 and the 2000s version of the Twilight Zone are, are kind of like the red-headed step-childs of yeah of yeah. the Twilight Zone uh, but i'm i'm pretty sure that that the 85 version it was an hour long program but they had multiple segments so each segment yeah
0: it was like a treehouse of horror yeah yeah
1: and i think they typically just had like two but uh, i think there might have been ones where they had like shorter stories and, and they had maybe three of them but i'm, I'm not sure yeah. about that there's
0: a, i was looking it up on wikipedia there's a handful of them where it's three there's and there's some where it's one where it's an extended you know um extended version so it's the one episode um yeah i guess that's I, I, I just, yeah, I think uh, I just I do want to see a, a 42 minute version of this story or longer, you know, and because uh, I think there is there is more to delve into. And I think um, so
1: yeah, and and there was one other bit of um, I almost think it was like foreshadowing because whenever we're first introduced to Miss Ritchie, she starts going off about Adam, um, you know, yeah. going off about his guilt to the defense lawyer. And the the lawyer said she says, you know, that almost sounds like it's personal. And this is before we find out that she's his sister and that she hates him.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, again, really good writing, really good additions to this story. They're adding these wrinkles, they're adding a bit of depth to it. And they're doing something that's kind of now conspicuous by its absence, which is some kind of um, drive behind the recurring dream in the first place. Like the, I think in the sixties version, it's like, well, recurring dreams exist and people do dream about, um, being, uh, being on death row. So let's, uh, let's, let's do, do one of those, you know, whereas like what the, the type of dream experience that that this character is having in either version is really extreme. And it's, it's kind of all, Roughly within the bounds of possibility of what kind of dream you could have, it's too neat. Obviously, it's it's a TV show. Okay, we'll allow that. Um, But something this extreme, something this kind of pathological, does need like an impetus. It needs an origin, you know. And they hint at that in this version, in the eighties version, which I like. You know, he says I'm guilty about something, but I'm not sure what. You know, and and so. it it does, it does give you this kind of breadcrumb trail of like the sister, the father, and I'm guilty about something. And I don't know what, you know,
1: Mm I also like that there, there are at least a couple, you know, other than the, the direct copies of, of the, the previous version that there are a couple of additional references, like the Miss Ritchie mentions that she's making a roast. yeah
0: (laughs) which doesn't yeah which doesn't become the same it doesn't like it doesn't they don't do the same idea of the roast changing or the thing Mm -hmm. it's just um, a little reference isn't it yeah
1: yeah but i I do appreciate that that she that that's one like additional reference to to something in in the original that
0: they did not do
1: as a direct copy
0: yeah it's a little nod for the people who remember the original
1: and like the the harmonica playing is is amazing grace this time, which, it, again, it's it feels very cliche, but at the same time, it's supposed to feel cliche because it is.
0: Yeah. And it's also it's interesting because it's changed. It's changed from a cowboy song um, of the old range. And it's a love song the you know, the Red River Valley um the cowboy love song is one of the kind of various names of it but um now amazing grace is it's obviously a a um a hymn and it's also a song about redemption and so i think that's that's got to be some kind of um that's got to be a choice you know what i mean they they if if they weren't making a choice, they would have just gone with Red River Valley because that was just the default. So, um, so the fact that it's Amazing Grace is, I think, is hinting towards a redemption for our protagonist um, that doesn't come on screen, but we're but that we're he needs a redemption. Yeah,
1: I also think that Amazing Grace, just in general, uh, in the pop culture, is typically tied. I want to say that it's tied very closely to like. Uh, prison movies and um with like executions i i want to say it's it's often tied to like funerals
0: yeah i think of it as funerals definitely yeah Mm -hmm. funerals definitely so yeah it is it yeah so it brings a a funereal feel and you're yeah you're looking at death row and everything yeah um and i do there's a bit of I, i do like the theme as well of because tv and movies influence our dreams and that's written in as well, that, like, I got you from a movie and that everything, you know, you were you were tried and sentenced uh, and and to be executed all in the same day. And like, you know, that feels like a movie and, and it feels but like there, a dream. Uh,
1: and there, I also noticed that there's some discrepancies because whenever the defense lawyer comes over to the, the DA's off, uh, home, she mentions yeah. that it's been two days since sentencing. But then, oh, really? Adam, Yeah. But then Adam Grant says that it all took place in the same day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ever since the hearing. Yeah. She's saying I've been waking up in the mornings. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of that's I guess that's all allowed by the fact that it's a dream. And, you know, <laughs> uh, time is so fluid in a dream. And the, the fact that they do later um address it is uh yeah it kind of you can tell that it's intentional you know that it's just like intentionally inconsistent because that's uh, dreams for you
1: yeah i, I also like the moment what? in in that in that scene where you know she starts um where she's offered a drink and she starts yeah. describing her drink and then the da like they they finish the drink order together
0: yeah but then they're both on the rocks
1: and then they're both surprised by the by that fact.
0: Yeah, and then the DA just kind of shakes it off. So is that like the hint? That's a hint that they've done all this before and they're in a loop. Is that the idea?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if that's like some sort of crossover or if it's some sort of deja vu or yeah. exactly what they were trying to convey.
0: Because uh, I wondered that about mind. that. But I think whichever way it is, the point is he has information in his head unaccountably, you know, because mm-hmm. for a second I thought they were going to go on like because I was kind of aware of the the, the the dynamics, the gender dynamics of it. You know, they, they established the wife as quite conservative. And then, you know, this a younger woman appears at the door and walks in and starts having a drink with your husband while you're out of the room. And, you know, I, I would think that that was, uh, they don't address it, but it kind of, it was part of the subtext of that scene for me. Is it like, who does this woman think she is, you know, showing up, you know, there, there are rules about this kind of thing, you know? And, um, and then I thought that the line where he's like very dry on the rocks, is that the idea was showing that they've had drinks together in the past and maybe there's a past between them but i don't think that's what it is i think it's i think it's this because they're in a dream he has access to knowledge that he can't account for how he has access to it so yeah um it's uh it's interesting but i did i did think it was offering kind of subtext about a a previous relationship between those two or maybe even an affair or something
1: yeah, and I also like the way that they, um, the Adam Grant shows the DA that he has knowledge that he wouldn't otherwise know. Yes, since he is basically the outside observer during yeah. their scenes away from him. Whenever he knows what the uh, the suggested music playlist. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the, w- w- what were the names like? F- was Frankie Valley one of them? I didn't. I recognized one only of those names. I was like, and these I, are I, these I just crooners remember, that uh, were big in the.
1: Johnny Mathis was the first. Oh, one. Johnny Mathis.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was the only one I recognized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and then the and, rest were all like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That
1: that's the same with me. I I considered like looking them up, but then I was like, I'm. I'm you know, we got a lot to cover with, with this. And it's the, <laughs> yeah. The 1985 yeah. version. You know, if I was focused on on that scene, then I would definitely look those up. But looking at the episode as a as you know, as in, a whole, in bigger picture, I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to do that for this.
0: I'll let that one go. Yeah, because yeah. I think I mean the the meaning is pretty clear. It's crooners that get get wifey in the mood is is the idea. That's <laughs> <laughs> like that's the shorthand they're going for. Like, yeah, which. Which also kind of gives, which also is kind of, has a chilling other meaning because um, when Adam r- reveals to the DA that he knows about that conversation, it it kind of implies that he's observed intimate yeah. moments as well, you know? Like,
1: like the voyeurism aspect, which, which yeah. I, I, I didn't really think about since, you know, yeah. I, I was focused more on the fact that everybody is is basically trapped in in this this recurring dream yeah which i i did read uh somewhere that that this version implies that the dreams are recurring uh concurrent to each other that there are um that there is no waking life in this version and i i meant to to pay attention more to see if i catch that but i i didn't get that impression myself did, did well, you if, get that well, at, at all?
0: Well, well, it raised the question for me. I got, the, to, to me, that that's one aspect where both versions are the same. I wouldn't have thought there was any difference in the, in the, on this particular question because it does, in both versions, um, give you this, it, it begs the question, why did he go straight back into the dream? Why didn't we cut to his waking? I, I imagine, like, cutting to his waking self, and he's going like oh and he's just pure purely exhausted and he falls back asleep and he gets the same dream again you know that and i kind of think that'd be even more effective that like that like because he wakes up with a jolt because when you die or something sudden happens you in a dream you wake up with a jolt wakes up with a jolt i would avoid the out and out cliche of bolt upright in the bed <laughs> into with the camera already in the position where your head comes into like no can't see that again but if it was in a 1961 tv show i wouldn't worry too much um but that you wake with a jolt and then just like the exhaustion because he can't sleep peacefully because he keeps having this awful nightmare and then just like maybe a couple of like dry tears. You know, a couple of dry crying of, of like you know, shoulders heaving and and then just like just so exhausted he drifts back into another nightmare and you you cut to the and I think that would give the crushing inevitability of it. I think it would strengthen the ending of either version where it's just like, oh God, he's back in again, you know? And it would also kind of serve to have an image of, you know, we now have an image of him asleep in his bed so i don't know why neither version did that but i don't i don't understand why somebody would look at the two different versions and say one of them implies that he never wakes up and the other one doesn't like they if if one of them implies that the other one does because like
1: well in the, he, in the 60 it, version he does he does um specifically mention that he keeps having the same dream night after night so it's implying exactly. that yeah. That he uh, that it is a recurring dream that he's only having yeah. at night, and and it does refer to his waking life, and and maybe it's just that this version doesn't explicitly mention his yeah. waking
0: life. I suppose, yeah, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's where it comes from. But I do think it would be, I, yeah. Sorry, so so I was saying it would be good to have a shot of him waking. So the counter argument for that is that I think that the kind of the, the the filmmaking language that's being imply em, employed here is that um, when the characters disappear, we fade to black. So it's basically like that our camera is staying in in the dream universe, mm-hmm. and in that dream universe, it, you're suddenly in a void and nothing happens and no time passes, and then in that same universe. It comes back into existence again with one face and then two people next to each other and then the courtroom becomes uh, lit up. So I think that's the kind of film language justification for why we don't show any passage of time between each iteration of the dream and why we don't see the waking uh, the waking person going back to sleep. So I think I think that's it's, it's as if we're waiting there in oblivion and then. From oblivion comes uh, the universe is reborn. That, because the way the, you're describing that actually reminds yeah.
1: me of uh, the Langoliers. Are you familiar with that at all?
0: No, What's it's that?
1: a it's a Stephen King story, and it was made oh. into a TV. I don't remember if it was a TV movie or a TV miniseries back in the '90s, I believe it was, and I, you know, I saw it back whenever it came on. So I, I only have like the vaguest memory of it. The biggest thing that I remember is, um, the, the actor that played Balky and perfect strangers was a, a prominence. <laughs> ah, um, he was kind excellent. of the, the biggest draw in, in that. Yeah. And, um, the, the concept of that is like these, these people fall asleep on a plane and then whenever they wake up, they're like in this empty, like everybody is gone. And then you eventually find out that they have basically shifted in time to like, you know, jumped into the minute in the past. So they jumped like one minute in the past and then the entire universe, like all the people are still in the present. And then basically the, all the physical universe still exists. But then it's being destroyed by these things called the the Langoliers. So basically, the the universe is being destroyed, and but they still exist in like out of time.
0: Okay, so sorry, this was a dream you had. No, the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I get you. No, I, um, yeah, that sounds uh, it's it's well. Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like something you'd see in a 1990s Stephen King <laughs> mini-TV series. Um, yeah, uh, that's... Uh, would you, do you remember liking it? Was it good?
1: Uh, I, I remember thinking it, w- it was okay. I, I don't think it's super well-regarded in terms yeah. of Stephen King adaptations. It's just like you know yeah. a it's forgotten no, 90s yeah. TV mini-series.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's no Tommyknockers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But, but I, uh, I I like that that definition, you know, um and, and that kind of lends credence to to my thought that these are that this is a dream world that it that basically comes into existence whenever Adam Grant falls asleep and then it's populated by all these characters that actually exist yes. and then whenever he wakes up then the universe crashes in on itself and yeah, is destroyed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, that is, you know, you can you can say what you can just you can just declare that to be what happens when we dream. (laughs) You know what I mean? It is a very it's a universe of a kind, a very incoherent and non cohesive one uh, that has uh, that that is is very, uh, yeah, slippery and ill-defined. But um, but, you know, it'll do if you're stuck for a universe. Another thing that happened between, um, the DA's wife and the defense attorney was this thing of like, when the defense attorney starts saying to the DA, do you never think, do you never think to question that this whole life you have, you know, and, uh, something about the line, which again is just taken from the, um, the uh, 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 60s version where he says, you know, this beautiful wife and, it just feels very patronizing coming from a, a kind of much better looking woman <laughs> i don't know there's something maybe that's just my to do with my uh personal tastes but um it's just like yeah and there had just been a little bit of tension between her and the wife and it just seems like this yeah a patronizing move to say and your wife is really beautiful you know like i'm <laughs> i'm currying favor with her and just like and he kind of she doesn't and she's in the room. The wife is in the room and she doesn't look at him. She doesn't look at her when she, when she says it. And, um, yeah, I just, that, that, that just kind of made me cringe and made me, oh, don't say that, you know, um, cause I don't think, I don't think the wife would, uh, find that particularly complimentary. If I, if I was the wife, I'd be like, you fucking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but did you notice, um, that on the, this, this quite poorly, remastered so i I think i think what we're watching now on on the the from the dvd release of the 1980s one is that um you've got it was it seems to have been shot on film and transferred to videotape like back in the 80s and just they used that those tapes to run the to run the dvds from rather than going back to the sources and stuff because there's been a bit of degradation, it looks like, certainly in the soundtrack. And I don't know if you noticed this ghosting, where during a, a quiet patch when there's about to be a louder line of dialogue spoken, or it would happen with effects as well or anything, you hear a faint pre echo of it. You know? So you'll hear I didn't like notice that. So you'll hear like the defendant will rise. The defendant will rise. The defendant yeah. will yeah. rise, you know? So you hear this pre-echo of the repeated line, and it just it, it it's um and it happens throughout, but it's very it's very subtle. But this is uh it's a phenomenon of magnetic tape that because magnetic tape is is kind of that the recording head that that uh, goes on to, to magnetic tape is 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 uh, putting a magnetic signature onto the tape and basically rearranging the the magnetic norths and souths of of lots of little uh, ferrous particles and so if you leave a tape long enough it will kind of record onto itself you know so mm-hmm. so the magnetic signature on one part of the tape will put a ghost impression onto another part because it's real it's 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 tightly it, it real together. yeah so So that's why master tapes are made from much thicker plastic so that the the um, the 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 ferrite uh, material on one side can't influence uh, what's on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can cut this out if you want. (laughs) I got very technical there because I love this stuff. But it produces this very kind of strange and spooky effect. And we had a few cassettes in the eighties that had this effect on them. And I knew them so well, cause they were just, they were stories that we listened to on long car journeys and stuff. And despite my, uh, love of fidelity and quality remastering and all of that, I, I, it made me like the episode a bit more because it uh-huh. gave it this extra quality of, of, of kind of a melancholy ghostly strangeness. Um, and, um, you can definitely hear it on the version that, that you were working from as well. Cause I, I, I double checked and it just, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I do have a real fondness for that strange effect that I knew as a kid had something to do with the tape and, uh, but I didn't know how it worked or anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I am um, something that's, I, I'm sure I've noticed, but I've never given much extra thought to before. now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not me, love <Lord, laughs> <you don't. laughs>
1: Yeah, but yeah. You know, once again, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. And uh, why don't you go ahead and remind everybody once again where they can find you online?
0: Malkovichminute.net. Malkovich is m-a-l-k-o-v-i-c-h Minute is minute. dot net is dot net. See you there.
1: And as always, I'm Bubba Wheat, and you can find me at com. You can find me on Twitter, at Bubba Wheat. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm, as well as anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And we have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group. You can join it and have discussions about episodes as they come out, as well as anything else uh, relating to time loops. And so until next time I will still be right here trapped in the Twilight zone.
0: submitted for your approval submitted for your approval another dimension so light for your approval another dimension so light for your shadow another dimension so light your shadow another dimension. self so light your shadow twilight zone, zone. submitted for your approval the Twilight Zone submitted for your The Twilight Zone. Adam Grant, a nondescript man found guilty of murder and sentenced to be hanged by the neck until dead. Like most other criminals caught in the wheels of justice, he's scared, right down to the marrow of his bones. But it isn't prison that scares him, the long, silent nights of waiting, the slow walk to the hanging room, or even
1: death itself.